start a new series. It's called The Gifted, and it's like uh, a bunch of superheroes, or the idea is uh, looking at gifts. That's where we're going with that. So there's handouts. There were handouts at the back. They might be all gone. Uh, you can get some pens back there if you want to take notes. We're going to put some stuff up on the screen so you can follow there. And if you have your, uh, your web-enabled smartphone, you can use the free app called Uversion. Look under More, under Live Events, search into one, and you can follow along on your phone as well so that you can do that sort of stuff. And then if you have that handout there, there's also a tear outside of it that you can pull off that if you would like to say, hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm here, I'm visiting or whatever, and, and I, I want you to know that I was here, I'd like some contact about that, you can fill out your your information on there and drop it in the basket at the back. We call it offering right now, but that can be your offering. That's also the place where you could put your offering if you'd like to do that. There are envelopes back there if you would like to make sure your tax receipted. Um, and you can also give online at our website, into1.ca, by clicking the Donate Now button. All that. Okay. We are in a new ministry year and certainly a new ministry season. With the things that are happening here, I'm not sure if you realize it's almost our birthday. Now, by almost, I mean we've still got a couple of, of weeks, like a month and a half, but our birthday is coming up, and it will be in March. Our birthday, we're going to be five this year. We are, uh, we, we've been around for a little bit of time. We've seen a lot of things change, a lot of things happen, but I want you to know that that's there. And this is the start of a new year for us, but this is the start of a new ministry season. Things are different now, and they have the potential to be dramatically different than they have been um, before. You consider the point that we're at right now, what's on the horizon, and the whole story that goes around that. This, this series was planned months and months and months ago, but you consider where we are right now, and I say again that God is in the midst working things together because I'm not sure that there's, I realize you don't really know what we're talking about in too great of a depth, but for me, the idea for where we start this year, this season, with this kind of a topic, it's so huge, and this is going to be foundational for us. Hopefully, going forward, this will be a landmark, a benchmark for us that we will be able to track and we'll be able to look back on this because we believe that followers of, as followers of Jesus, we are called to impact those people around us through loving, joyful, gift-based gift service. Loving, joyful, gift-based service. But what if you don't know your spiritual gifts? You could have been a Christian for decades, and in fact, this is the case for many, many people, for decades, and you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. What if you don't even know what a spiritual gift is? What, what if you just say that what you like to do is your spiritual gift? What if you don't even know what the options are? How could you ever resonate with any one of them if you know none of them? If you have no idea what gift you have, then how could you ever hang out with somebody else who has the same gift so you could learn together and you could um, gain insight from each other? The problem is that so much of this is, is uh, surrounded by implied guilt or shame for not knowing. And I don't want you to feel that way. What I want you to do is know and to know clearly. And if you don't know, that's totally fine. And if you think you know, well, we might help you with that too. Because this is a process and it is, um, it's complicated. And the problem is that so many 
of us have grown up and we have some association with the church, but we've all grown up differently. We grow up in different circles and different spheres, different churches with different amounts of information. And for most of my life, I don't recall anyone really teaching on spiritual gifts until it became something that was like an, an out-of-the-way study. It wasn't just what we would talk about. You had to actually want it. And I think it's foundational to us as a church to where we want to go. We start learning and we start using, and then we can experience the joy that, that is in there, the joy that we were supposed to have in honoring God and serving God, others and knowing what our part in God's plan is, what, what God's plan is for this church into one and what God's plan is for this big C church, the church universal. Here's some stuff that's true about Into One, and this is, it all flows together from where we're going. This is true of Into One Community Church. We are a cross-centered, Jesus-centered, Bible-focused church. We believe that people must choose to follow Jesus. You don't just fall in. We believe in evangelism, and that means telling the story of the good news of great joy that is for all people. We believe that God, through Jesus, has come to give forgiveness for sins and to give salvation, but not just to save us. He promises that he will redeem and bring wholeness to all of creation. He will make us holy. He will sanctify us both in crisis moments and as an ongoing progressive experience. He will engage and interact with us into bringing wholeness. He will heal us physically, emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically. We are part of his kingdom, and in his kingdom, he is the king. But he will also return in power and glory and be king on earth again. We summarize that by saying, that, that saying, by saying Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our sanctifier. He makes us holy. Jesus is our healer, and Jesus is our coming king. Jesus is what we are about. That's what we preach in this church. And we emphasize different things at different points, but that's where we start. But we also believe that we need the presence and the power of the same Holy Spirit that came on the Lord Jesus and was in the Lord Jesus to do the work that he commissioned us to do. We believe in the work of the Holy Spirit for convicting people of sin and for regenerating those who are turning from sin, for his work to make us holy, to sanctify us. We believe in all the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit. We believe that all are necessary for the healthy growth of the church and should be earnestly desired and practiced once identified. So what are we talking about when we say gift? This flows. These are our beliefs, and our beliefs drive us. This is who our God is. This is the way that he interacts and relates to us, and this is the way that he has revealed himself to us. But the language is confusing, I think, sometimes. So what's the difference between a natural gift, an acquired gift, and a spiritual gift? Right here, this is the place, I think, of mass confusion. Opinion seems to be the way that most people have come to what they hold dear in this area. It wasn't based on study. It wasn't based on learning. It wasn't based on teaching. It wasn't based on revelation. It was based on an opinion. This is what I think. This is what I'm pretty convinced of. This is the way I would like to do it. 
So we need to do some clearing up. We have to come together on some of these things. And I'm going to use and to give some definitions, and I want to tell you right up front, these are not my definitions. You pull them out of different places to put them together. They come together from that variety of places, and they come together, and they're made beautifully into one. Like what I just did there? A natural gift. First thing, a natural gift is given by God through creation. These are qualities that are present at birth, but they're developed over time. So, good memory, acting, athletic ability, musical sense, creative tendencies, strong motor skills. I'm good with my hands. Those are examples of natural gifts. That's different than an acquired gift or an acquired skill. These are learned through training, education, experience. These are proficiencies or competencies developed over time through our own effort. Natural and acquired gifts can be the same thing. They can overlap. They can be enhanced together. But the point is that these are usually the answers that are given to the question, what's your spiritual gift? That's usually the way people will answer. They will pick something that would be a natural or an acquired skill, and they'll say, this is my spiritual gift. Biblical answers in this area tend to be few and far between. It's problematic because we are people who say that the Bible is key to our faith and practice, and yet we are not familiar with what the Bible says in this area. And when I say this, I don't say it to you. I say that to us. I've worked in a number of churches. I've met a lot of people. I've met people who have been in ministry for years. I've met people who are in training for ministry, and they say, this is what I want to do. And in each category, they don't know what they're talking about. But they feel an incredible shame to come up and say, I just don't know. I don't want you to feel the shame. I want us to learn together and to discover what some of these things are. But one of the problems that we have when I say we, it's a big we, it's not just a you we. When we look at the church in North America particularly, we find that in many cases we can say there's a lack of spiritual power in our church. What we do is basically a combination of us doing what we do. Some of us are pretty talented, and when we do stuff, it's pretty good. But what we have seen is a, is a lack of spiritual power in the churches. Because... We don't know what our gifts are, and if we, can't, if we don't know what they are, we can't use them. And if they were given for the building up of the church, we can't do it. Spiritual power doesn't force things. It unfolds. It unwraps them almost mysteriously. God the Father builds the church through the work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave us natural gifts. God helps us in the acquisition and development of other skills. Those things are fine. You know what? They're, they're not fine. They're great. Those things are fantastic. But the spiritual gifts are different. Spiritual gifts. They're given by God through His Spirit. They are qualities or proficiencies that are received from the Spirit for ministry, which can be developed over time. They have a specific purpose, and that purpose is ministry. It's for the building of the church. And by the building of the church, I don't mean uh, bricks and mortar. I mean the gathering together of people and building them up, filling the needs that need to be filled. 
first thing you need to know here is that we all have gifts. We all have some gift. You were given some naturally. You've worked on some. But if you are a believer in Jesus, you have been given a gift. If you can recall, whenever we do um, baptism, there's specific things that we pray for. Any baptisms that, baptisms that we have had, we, we baptize the people, we come out of the water, we gather together, we have these people in the middle of a circle, and we lay hands on those people, and then we pray. We pray specifically for the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we pray for the giving of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts don't come at birth. They come at spiritual birth. And we have used baptism as a key marker of that. It's a good time to make sure that we've done everything that we, that we are supposed to do. That being said, we consider baptism to be holy and sacred and awesome. And if you haven't completed this act of spiritual obedience yet, then please seriously consider it. It is spiritually foundational for you and for the church as a whole that we are marked in this way. And so we will landmark it. That works in the language that we use to say that we are in earnest pursuit of Jesus and we landmark certain key events where we stop the trip. We all get out. We mark this moment. We take a photo of it. And we move on. We've landmarked that idea that baptism will be a key part in our spiritual development. All Christians have at least one spiritual gift. Some have more than one gift, but every Christian has at least one. So are you ready to just get to it? Well, good, because we're not going to do that. There, there's, there's a more orderly approach. When you get to this place, you sort of say, yeah, just tell me the answers and I want to go. But we want to take our time. I want us to take our time and to try and get this right that will lay a foundation that we can walk on together for years to come. The foundation is first, or we can be guilty of what happens to a lot of people around us. We build from the bottom to prevent the improper use of gifts and to even prevent spiritual abuse. As we grew up in different places, we grew up in different traditions, and different traditions use different language. We use sometimes the same words, but the definitions are entirely different. And so we look at each other and we say, but we don't mean the same thing. So what I want to try and do is to help us form some common language. That's why we're going to define some things, and we're going to work through this so that we can have a common language. It, it, it might not be the language that you grew up with, but this is the language that we're going to try and use together to say the same thing, so that when we use words, they mean something. So we're talking about spiritual gifts, but when we talk about this, it's got that word spirit in it. And as soon as you say spirit, you go, oh, that makes me think of fruit of the spirit or spiritual disciplines. What are these things? How do they relate? What's the connection? Getting complicated, right? We've got a lot of stuff happening. They are not the same thing, but they are related. First one, fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is a reference from Galatians chapter 5. Paul was writing a letter to the church in Galatia and he was explaining the difference between the old life and the new life. What it looks like when you were um, sinful, this is what it looks like. These were the fruit of the sinful life. And then he goes on to describe, this is what it looks like when Christ has filled you. When the Holy Spirit is there, you will start to exude these things. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance or, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Gifts, that's about doing. Fruit is about being. It's about our character. You will not have all 21 or however many spiritual gifts, but we all are called to embody all of the fruit of the Spirit. That's not fruits of the Spirit. That's fruit of the Spirit. They are not separatable. They come together. This is what the Spirit looks like. When the Spirit's work and life is coming out in you, these things will exist, and they will exist in growing measure. That's what's going to happen. We'll start to see these things more. Not some, but all will be there in growing measure. So ask yourself, here's your measuring stick. Is the Spirit at work within you? That has nothing to do with attendance. That has nothing to do with what you read or what you do. You will start to identify these things and better. The community of faith will start to recognize and identify these things in you, with you. One of the benefits of being in community. We will see change and development in people. This is what he will look like. You can never misuse the fruit of the Spirit, but you can misuse the spiritual gifts because of a lack of character in the way you will use them. So we can misuse a spiritual gift when we are lacking in the fruit of the Spirit, when our character is in question. So as we talk about fruit of the Spirit, it's really important for us to get our character right first. That's why we don't, we don't jump to the end. We come in. So the fruit of the Spirit is the base, and it's the first part that has to do with our attitude. It's a byproduct of our relationship with God, and spiritual gifts are given to further His work. Both come from heaven, not from us. These come from the Holy Spirit. So we have natural gifts, we have acquired gifts, spiritual gifts, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit speaks about the character. It is an outflow of the relationship with God. How do you enhance and develop your relationship with God? Spiritual disciplines. These are activities that place you in the presence of God so that you can continually grow in your faith. Things like prayer, fasting, solitude, silence, corporate worship, personal worship, service, confessing your sins to others, study, the list goes on and on. To become like Jesus, we need to be filled with the same Spirit that was on Him and in Him. And we need to, in growing measure, incorporate the disciplines that He used to connect with His Father. Start with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is enhanced by increased connection to God. How do we increase our connection? We use spiritual disciplines. As we do that, as we know God better, our faith will grow. And as we have said a number of times, the goal that we are striving for as a church is that your faith in God would increase. That your life of faith would be increasingly evident to all. Spiritual disciplines strengthen you while spiritual gifts are actually given to strengthen others. There is a mutuality. There is a community effect that comes in again. All three the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and spiritual disciplines form that trinity of ministry that's essential for effective ministry. <laughs> it's the same word there twice. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, 
not so that we can use gifts, but so that the Holy Spirit can use us. We are in partnership with God all the time, right? And what we're trying to do is to figure out how we will live this thing out. Spiritual gifts, the character of God, and the disciplines of Jesus brought together provide the grounding for the church, for a church to be radically changed from the inside and then to be part of radically changing lives, making lives more like Jesus, first for me, then for those around me, first for into one, then for the community that we are connected to. Paul witnesses a bunch about gifts, and he writes about them, and we're going to look at a number of different places over time, but today we're going to start by looking at Romans chapter 12. Start at verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What we're looking at today in studying the idea of spiritual gifts today and going forward is that these are foundational things that we will live through. This is not a fun exercise necessarily, but I think it's essential in grounding us and grounding us together in what will make a difference in our community. There are things that we can do. We could mail something. We could advertise something. We can run something. But what we really need to start with are people who are being run by the Holy Spirit, who are aware of their gifts and use them for the building up of the church. And then we will also do other things. But we are the church. We are the ones that God is using. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to know what we're doing. And we need to take that seriously. Church is not just about tickle my ear. There's going to be some work involved, and that's what we're talking about now. We've talked about this passage, Romans chapter 12, lots of times. I love it. I think it's key in understanding what's happening. Once you offer yourself to God as a living ongoing tribute you've started do not be like everyone else but be transformed you go how how do i do that and the answer is by the renewing of our minds so i say okay great god just do it right i'm ready just transform me go ahead i gave you permission do it i'm asking for you to do it i'm submitting to you i want to know your will this is not passive it's not something that god just pours on top of you. It is working together in partnership with God always. There is a learning side. There is always an application side. What we learn is always to be applied, to be lived out. This is a together thing, and it's active. Romans 12, 3, we go on. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. We are to see ourselves as God sees us. When it says don't think of yourself too highly, I think in our culture sometimes we also have to add, don't think of yourself too lowly. Think of yourself the way God sees you. And the, the major metric and measurement which keeps us humble is not our measure of gifts or our talents or our fruits, but the measure of our faith. We are looking to grow our faith. That's where we're trying to get to. 
Start with the idea that at the cross, it's level footing. There is no one who's better than someone else at the cross. The cross is where we come to start and say, Jesus, I need a Savior. Save me. And when we're at that place, there is not someone who's better than someone else. We are all equal. We are saved by faith, grace alone. There is nothing that we have done to deserve it. Grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone. This is where our salvation comes from. So we can never allow ourselves to think of ourselves as better than others because of our money, because of our maturity, because of our race, because of our gender, because of our education or natural abilities or acquired abilities or even our spiritual gifts. Humility is our gift and it is our truth before God. Think of yourself always through the lens of Jesus. Now that you're humble, it's not about you. Now that you're asking for God to transform your mind, now that you are willingly choosing to live an ongoing life of submission to God as a living sacrifice, now, now we can begin to talk about spiritual gifts. First thing is, or number two there is, don't compare. Do not spend your Christian life trying to be or do something that God did not ask you to do or be. We're not the same. Don't be jealous of what others have or what they do. The Spirit of God decided what gift that you have and the measure that you have of that gift. He knows you better than you know you. Don't spend your life trying to do ministry in every area that you are not gifted in. The other side of that is do not spend your life expecting others to do what they have not been gifted or called to be or to do. If you do that, you will find that you are angry, angry at your leaders, angry at your friends, angry at the people on your team, angry at your pastor, because of your expectations that are rooted not in giftedness, but in your perception of what you think they should be, what you think that person should do or be able to do. We are individuals. We will not be like the other one that you met somewhere else. We are each of us distinct. If you've let yourself fall into the this is the way you should be, you will find that you're being led into anger, bitterness, and disappointment. And honestly, who wants more of that in your life? You get that within the church, you bring that in, and we will build ourselves disunity. We will go against the spirit of into one. We will disagree with the spirit of God, and we will create a split. We will make a church divorce. If we look at each other through gifts, competition drops. Unity is built. Diversity is embraced. Energy is harnessed, and we get excited because we can find that somebody else complements us. Going on in Romans, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are actually the body of Jesus Christ on earth. None of us are the head, but we do form one community, bound together by the Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. So the purpose of the church is not to make you independent. The purpose of the church is not to make you weirdly dependent. It is for interdependence, 
and a growing sense of mutual submission. We are members of one another. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not all of them. There is more to come over the next weeks. But there is a base. There is the first kind of place that we'll look at. When the Spirit of God is at work within the church, there will be radical, God-given diversity. When the Spirit of God is free to work in a church where we give Him permission and submission, there is diversity. Each of us needs each other. This is one of the key reasons that I have said for a long time now, it's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. This is why we need each other. If your life seems stuck, you know, I read, I pray, I thought I had this growing connection to God, but I feel stagnant. I feel like there's something missing. There's a great chance that you are neglecting connecting together for real. You hold yourself separate and apart. You, you keep back from other believers, and you are depriving yourself of the exchange that's necessary for spiritual growth and development. You can't do church without people. The spiritual connection that you have is necessary. And there has to be a little bit of friction in it, a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of nervousness about how it's going to work out. You need people who are filled with the Spirit of God to experience the gifts. And then you get to grow and to serve and to be served. But wait, there's still more. All that makes you, you, whoever you are, your natural gift, your learned abilities, your education, your experiences, your race, your gender, your age, your spiritual disciplines, your spiritual gifts, everything that you are, one day we're going to face Jesus. Like, actually look him in the face. And we're going to give an account for how we have stewarded our lives. The fact is sobering. And frankly, it, it should weigh heavily on us as we consider what that will be like. Even though we are saved, we as Christians will have to face Jesus at the end of our life and give an account for everything that was given to us. Number three, we are accountable. Much of Jesus' teaching was about preparing for his return even though he had not left. One of those powerful teaching spots about accountability and gifts is found in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, starting at verse 14, says this. You know this story. You've heard it a thousand times, I'm sure. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called to his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag. And each according to his ability, then he went on his journey. The bags of gold here translated, in some translations you look at it and it's probably more accurate, they're called talents. And talents, it works nicely for what we're describing, but it's not just about describing talent. It's a Roman word, and the Roman word comes as the largest form of currency. One talent, to give you a perspective of what he's giving here, one talent equals 20 years of minimum wage. It's a life's work. Now, isn't that kind of a cool way for us to think about it as well? It's a life's work. What we do with our life is being pictured in this story. So, because I'm not really 
a great mathematician. I have a limited math brain. Let's just say that minimum wage is $10 an hour. $10 an hour times 40 hours a week is $400 a week. And let's be nice, and we'll give you two weeks off a year, unpaid, of course. $400 a week times 50 weeks is $20,000 a year. And of course, we know this is hypothetical because we'll do the whole thing without any tax. Just imagine that for a moment. Can't. I know. It's, it's just, you can't get that. $20,000 times 20 years equals $400,000. One talent is worth, roughly in our world, $400,000. This is not just about the amount of money, though, right? That's not what Jesus was talking about. He was using familiar imagery. People, you could grasp, right, what he was trying to talk about to symbolize the spiritual truth. Everything that we have been given, we have been commanded to steward them, to manage them well. And steward is a word that, frankly, we don't use that much anymore, but it's really helpful for understanding. And I think the lack of the use of the word sort of indicates why we also have a potential problem with this understanding. A steward is someone who cares for someone else's stuff with someone else's stuff. So I am called to use everything that God has given me to do what God has asked me to do to the best of my abilities, and then I can also keep some for myself. So the question is not, how much should I give of what is mine? It really is, how much should I keep of what is God's for myself? Whether this is about talents or, or time or money or gifts, the point remains the same. In the spiritual realm, you use it or you lose it. The story goes on. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share my master's happiness. The word for happiness here should really be translated as joy. And what God is saying is, I want you to come and joy with me. It's my joy, and I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be part of what I'm doing that is joy. In this passage, we also recognize that we're being called servants or slaves, and that's our role before God. It helps us to remain humble, to remain in a spirit of humility, and to understand the way this relationship works. It also helps us to understand why we have relationship breakdown because this is a lordship battle. And this is made clear for us right here. Who is the key decision maker in your life? There cannot be two wills. One will must overcome the other. To be in right relationship to God, I must increase, he must decrease. You have a question? We're still getting there. You're getting ahead. Thank you. Um, is that the way that you make your decisions right now? Do you make your decisions based, first of all, on what God would call you to do and to be? 
Does that govern your system of values? Or is this a sticky place? And the reason you know it's a sticky place is because this is where you feel your fears and your insecurities are arising. You sense the lack. God says you will have abundance, and you say, but I sense lack. I sense not enough. I sense scarcity. Do not conform to the fears and the insecurities of this world. You will live as a living sacrifice. Trust in the face of fear. Faith in the midst of uncertainty. Let him transform and renew your mind so that you may live differently, so that you might be different than you are right now. Number four, be faithful and use your gifts. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not, where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. This is not teaching that our good works get us into heaven. God sees all that we do. This parable is about Jesus' return. Though we have all been given much, we are warned not to take it for granted. This is about accountability, not merit. This story was not given to the religious leaders or the crowds in general. It was given to the disciples, to the insiders, the ones who were closest to Jesus. Why did the last servant not use his talents? Fear. May we no longer live in a faith that is merely based on arriving, attending, showing up. But as a church, let's strive towards a faith that's get out of the boat. That kind of a faith that engages even in the surrounding uncertainties. The, well, I don't know. We would engage anyways because we will be led by faith and not governed by fear. Of course there's the possibility of failure. But the nature of faith is to risk. In the upside-down kingdom of God, failure does not come because you are not prudent. Failure comes because you are unwilling to take a risk. To such behavior, Jesus says, get out of my sight. The Spirit of God in us is an investment in the life that we will now lead. We have a responsibility to be about our Father's work in this world. Of course you could ignore all that. That is what being conformed to the pattern of the world looks like. If you want something more than that, if you are interested in something better than that, then this is the pathway forward to start this year right to start this new ministry season right, to start this new series right, to start this new stage in the earnest pursuit of Jesus right, we need to pray that God's work is welcome. And I am no longer willing for myself or for you, my family, to continue to just be overly informed 
but to never be transformed. God has more for you. God has more for us than to simply indulge and to consume. I have a prayer that I would like you to pray. Use your own words. Here's the guide. First of all, I acknowledge that I am your servant, Jesus. You are not. You are not my servant. Jesus, I will no longer be governed by fear. The fear of loss. The fear of embarrassment. The fear of losing control. The fear of making a mistake. The fear of not knowing how everything will turn out. I want to know my gifts, and I am eager to use them. And there's a need for humility here, because some of us think that we know our spiritual gifts, and we might just find out as we study together that we were wrong. We might not actually have those gifts, and we have placed part of our identity in what we thought we were. God might remove some of your disillusionment and reveal something new to you. That might hurt. But we are in this for the long term and not the short term. I realize and acknowledge that I will be held accountable for how I invest my gifts. I long to see you at work, Jesus, in me and in those who are around me. Can you pray this? Would you pray this? Can you do that now? Spirit of God, would you come again into this place? Would you come again into this person, these persons? Will you guide us forward? We want a life that means something and goes somewhere. But we are held back in so many ways. Spirit of God, would you come and break that spirit of fear that is in us? in this church? Would you change our minds from those of scarcity we're running out to abundance my God provides? Will you move in us, your people, and continue to use us as your hands and feet to each other, but to this community of Stouffville? Teach us our gifts. Educate us. And then release us to minister to each other and to those who are around us, we long to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, in Stouffville, in Ontario, and around the world. You have blessed us that we would be a blessing to all nations. Give us the ability to step up and be what you have called us to be. In Jesus' name. Knowing all things, 
we are more we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither life nor death neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus that is in Christ Jesus our Lord be blessed in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit you may be seated thanks for being with us today it is true again it's better when you're here it remains true that it's better than we are together so thank you thanks for making my life better thanks for making each other's lives better you did a good job